accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the fourth season. We're up to the third episode because Way of the Warrior is considered to be two episodes, even though it is one episode. But we're up to the officially the third episode, aired on October 9th, 1995. It's called The Visitor. It was written by Michael Taylor, directed by David Livingston. And in this episode, after an accident in the engine room of the Defiant apparently claims the life of Benjamin Sisko, Jake lives out his life in an endless quest to locate his father. We're joined, as always, by Clay for the rest of DS9. Clay, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Um, I think I would like to take this moment to say that even though I had intended to be on all of these going forward, this will be my last one because I am dying. <laughs> Cut to commercial. Come back. And what, what do you mean by dying, Clay? Oh, I mean, like, dying in the existential sense <laughs> in that, like, once we are born, we are all dying. <laughs> Uh, it's just a matter of like when it happens might not be today might not be tomorrow might not be for like 35 years I don't know they were looking for anything to cut to commercial there I think and that was uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was that was definitely like we'll fix this later and they just never came back to it <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about the visitor uh, which is Clay, I'm sure I'm not. Maybe you're not aware, but this is frequently listed on one of the best, you know, best episodes of Star Trek franchise. Uh, list. Apparently, these people just love old age makeup because there is a lot of it, and it's not very good. Yeah, well, it's better than Admiral Jameson and TNG, right? That's old, true. Yeah, that is him. true. Um, they were originally planning to have Sirak Lofton wear old age makeup, who plays Jake, the actor who plays oh, Jake. Oh God, no! Because that one of the things that I would like to get to is that. He is not a good enough actor to pull this stuff off. So I'm glad that they did not do that. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to break down The Visitor. Cisco to Dax. Can you read me? I brought the Defiant back to the wormhole. We're trying to rescue you. Dax, if you can read me, try to lock onto my signal. Look at you. You're older than I am. Damn it. Why can't they lock on to us? Jake, they're doing the best they can. There's nothing we can do from here. It's been so long. I need to know what I've missed. What about those grandchildren we talked about? Karina and I were no longer together. She left me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have let her go, but... There was so much I had to do. This has taken years of planning. What about your writing? Dax, try boosting the carrier amplitude. Maybe you can... Jake, what's happened to you? This is the last chance I'm ever going to have to help you. No! Jake, it's over. It's not going to work. It has to. Let go, Jake. If not for yourself, then for me. You still have time to make a better life for yourself. Promise me you'll do that. Promise me. 
All right, Clay. So as I said, this is frequently when TNG guy did a poll, readers poll for like in 1996 of the best Star Trek episodes. This actually won the TV guide uh, poll. Really? And it's a very, it's probably the least famous, most famous episode of Star Trek, I think. And, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to spoil anything. This episode is like brutally wrenching to watch. Mm. And it is a... It's a really great episode of television. Um, I'm not going to try to disguise myself. I think it's it's obviously one of DS9's best. It's probably one of uh, Trek in general's best. It's similar to Inner Light, but it's a little bit different. It uses the DS9 cast in a way that the Inner Light doesn't. And I don't know. I think that it's a... You know, I, I frequently mention that like not a lot of the Star Trek episodes really affect me or get to me, and it's rare when the episodes do, and I tend to rate them highly. This is by far the most emotionally draining episode of Star Trek that I know of, I think. It's just, it's impossible for me, especially since fatherhood, to not watch this and just get watery-eyed as the thing is wrapping up. <laughs> Through There's multiple scenes in it. It's not just the ending. It's like multiple... Multiple points of the episode are heart-wrenchingly sad. And I think the episode does a really good job of of just doing that. It doesn't screw up the material. It's like it's a perfectly done Star Trek episode for what the material is. Yeah. Um it was it was a very emotional uh episode. Um I don't know if I loved it, honestly. Interesting. Uh you know, I think the thing that was taking me out of it was um, the framing device. Like I, I, I understand what they're going for, uh, and you know the way that it ends and everything. I, and I do think it's 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 well done for the most part. But I think it's oh, just personally, I don't love the uh, old Jake just like voiceover telling a story for an hour. Okay. Um. And that's just totally a, per- a personal preference, but I, I'm not going to say I. I don't think this is a bad episode or anything. I think it's it's very good and it's very, it's. I think by the end of it, you know, regardless of what you think about the 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 way that they got there um, stylistically, I think it works very well. Um, and yeah, the 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 although I I, I do the, the one thing I was thinking was. Uh, um, just to jump to the end, if his plan is to kill himself when his father comes back, and um, he his father only has you know a variable amount of time, I feel like he should have picked something a little bit sh- more sure than uh, whatever he injected himself with. Because like, what happens if <laughs> he dies like thirty seconds too late? I was thinking that as they were doing it, I was like, you need to stop explaining and kill yourself before yeah. Cisco disappears again. Yeah. I was expecting like. Cisco shows up and he goes, "Oh, good, Dad!" And then he just shoots himself in the head or something. <laughs> no, but you know, obviously that's you know a silly thing to really to harp on. No, I, I thought it was a it was it was very a very good story. Um, I think that the the part that's the 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 most uh, I think yeah I think the part that is the most heartbreaking is when. Jake's life kind of falls apart and yeah. not be not not for Jake's sake but when Cisco comes back and he's so excited about seeing what's happened in Jake's life and he just he finds out that 
Jake has just kind of folded in on himself and has focused entirely on um, trying to get Cisco back. Yeah, and it's just it's watching watching Cisco kind of process that is is really is really sad. I think that's the. I think that's the twist that really elevates the script. It's not a twist, yeah. but it's it's the sort of turn where, um, you know, you it's not about it's the turn away from Jake wasting his life into Cisco realizing that his child has wasted his life, and yeah, it's a really like a it just the the double aspect of it it's like the story is not singularly focused on jake dealing with it but it's also about how his father would react to things like that and just the you know the 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 meditation on grief i think it's just it's a really strong star trek episode just because it takes that thing which i think the episode is about a meditation on grief and not being able yeah. to let go and move on yeah. and it applies a sci-fi concept to it that allows you to look at it a little bit differently in that death like cisco physically coming back is a analogous to the memories of jake of never being able to move past of like letting go of your uh your love for your father or the love for that other person and the sci-fi concept allows cisco to actually physically come back and see things like that and it adds to the drama of Jake's thing by uh, having cisco be there present to realize that everything is being wasted as he's not missing anything because he's stuck in that time loop where time isn't passing. And mm-hmm. it, it's just a really, it's a really effective little twist on it. Like, I, I think that the, it's a nice story for the Jake and Cisco uh, pairing just because we, we've had episodes like Explorers before, which have kind of hinted at this. And I think by far these two are the two this is the only maybe what I would say good parent uh, kid relationship that the show <laughs> that the shows do. Like Wesley Crusher and Beverly Crusher barely seem to be related to each other when yes, they interact. Yeah. And these two actually have an impact there. And, you know, Jake's the right age when Cisco has this accident for this kind of thing to happen. And I don't know. I think I think it's really good. I think that the the the, the way that Cisco is fleshed out by being a father is a big difference for him from the other captains and i think it adds a lot to him yeah and i you know i think um you know you said you said that uh it's analogous analogous to uh um the cisco coming back is analogous to memories coming back and i i almost think that it's it's even more uh biting than that because not it's it's more than memories coming back adding that sci-fi concept onto it allows him allowing him to actually come back really amplifies the helplessness and the grief level of 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 uh that Jake is feeling like you know right. i come memories coming back yeah those are going to those are going to bother you to a certain extent but like actually knowing that you that he's not dead and that you can't do anything about that. Yeah, that that's really striking. And um, you know, I, I think one of my favorite moments actually is um, when uh, Jake gets sucked into the Matrix there, and um, he he taps his communicator and says Cisco to Dax. They cut yeah. over to to Cisco, and he kind he doesn't overplay it for once actually. 
he uh he's he, very restrained in this episode i, I would say almost too yeah. restrained in some scenes but it, yeah, it's a, a it's a strange choice for him yeah but he he gives like a little bit of a like it it kind of it's i guess i would describe it as like a heartwarming smirk or something like it's that's something that he would he never thought he would see and i think that's for me that's that's what was really i think this works on multiple levels um obviously but uh, uh where as 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 much as jake is going through a a grief thing cisco himself is getting to see stuff like i think part of the reason he's so excited every time he comes back is he's he's seeing stuff that he never would have got he probably never would have gotten to see any of that stuff right he would have been too old he would have died naturally yeah i mean and even on top of that i mean once jake leaves deep space nine and goes off to writing college or wherever he's going (laughs) there's a very good chance that they don't really see each other that that often yeah and uh the the great thing for Cisco is that he gets to experience the stuff, albeit briefly. But for him, it's like it's a matter of seconds. It's not like thirty years between having seen his son and then he gets to see his son for a minute and then has to go back to space. It's like he's getting all this stuff back to back to yeah. back, and so he's really looking forward to it. And um, it yeah, I think he recognizes the stuff he probably might not get to see. Um, you, you had mentioned you didn't really like the framing device, and I'll put a challenge in, and I'll say why I think that it works as a sort of story from Jake's mouth as like a flashback to everything. Mm-hmm. The, the way that they did it is thematically appropriate to match Jake's internal obsession. So what I mean to say is like, when you the, what the story does is that it focuses entirely on Jake and Jake's perspective and it almost to a weird degree cuts out everything else like when his marriage falls apart Jake tells you about it you don't see yeah. the argument or anything because mm-hmm. the story is about Jake's obsession with getting it and the only thing that matters is Jake's complete myopic vision about getting his father back so when he's just you know he casually just casts like you know it didn't work out i got too obsessed and she left me and there's no you never see it. You don't see a lot of stuff with the other DS9 characters. They're all in the background, in the periphery. Uh, that scene in the sick bay, the infirmary, where they're trying to save Cisco, and it's just the cameras just on Jake and Cisco at that moment. You can hear the dialogue in the background above them as O'Brien and stuff are trying to do things. But I think that the the way they tell the story is serves to highlight how to the core this is the only thing that Jake can think about going forward. And this is how it'll change his life, cause his life to be basically miserable until his death. And then he can save his father and sort of reset everything. But um, that that's my argument for the way that I like the story is the way that it's told this way. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I would say that um, I think doing it the way they did, it was necessary for TV. Because uh, I think, you know, to use the the divorce thing as an example, um, he also says that out loud to Ben when Ben comes back. So, like, if I I I think you could probably remove most of that voiceover and nothing would change. Mm-hmm. And I think you can still tell that story the way you're you're talking about telling it sp- explicitly from his point of view, without doing the like comic book narration boxes kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think for television, doing it without that would have been a little too weird. Um, 
because you're doing a lot of time jumping and not having someone there to kind of walk you through it, I think especially at this time in television, uh, would be a little bit too hard to, to tap into to get exactly the amount of emotional response they're going for. So, like, I don't, I don't blame them for doing it. I just don't prefer it. I guess. Uh, I, so, I think it still works. What um, would you? What's your? So, just so we're clear, what's your vision of not how you would fix it, but what would you have? What would you think would be a better solution, just to keep his sort of storytelling to a minimum and show more as real, ter- real time scenes? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I think, I think you could do it more or less straight through. Um, chronologically, and still have it work. Yeah. Um, and you can. I think you could still jump time the way that they do, uh, without having to really explain too much. Because I mean, like you said, you're focusing on Jake, and I think if if you're watching, if you're watching what's going on, you're going to figure it out. Like, oh, well, at this point. He's in the same house. He's a little bit older. His wife's not there. It's a little bit darker in here. Yeah, uh, right. Something must have happened. And then it's Ben messy. comes back and he's like, "Where's your wife?" And he's like, "Yeah, she's left me." So like, I think, I think the, I think the voiceover stuff is definitely cradling you. Um, I don't mean you specifically. I just mean you as the audience. Yeah, the audience. Um, and you know, like I said, I, I think it's. I think it was probably necessary for TV at the time because, uh, at least traditionally, I know that. Uh, the um the the expression or one of the things they used to say about TV is like you you have to assume that people are watching this while they're doing something else yeah yeah um which I I, I was watching a uh, or listening to someone one of the creators of the Naked and it completely tanked and they were talking about why it didn't work because if you watch that show it's it's freaking brilliant but it's like too it's too I, I hate to use the word uh, cerebral but it's like too cerebral for television because it really requires you to pay attention to it. And at the time, uh, that wasn't something people really did a lot when actually watching TV. Uh, so a lot of that stuff doesn't land, and so it doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. And I, So I think I totally understand why right. they did the voiceover thing. I just don't prefer it. I think it would have been artistically more interesting to do it without it. Especially, especially because you don't really know where it's yes. driving towards um, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's not uh maybe that's not a good point i don't know um i don't know if 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 listening to if you know jake is old at this point and you know he's reflecting on his life uh, i don't know if it if knowing that strengthens the the story or i should uh to a more so than if you just watch him chronologically spin into uh, you know this grief cycle. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I get, I think that's that's entirely personal preference. I think when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, were you getting any flashes of inner light? Does this episode remind you of the inner light or anything? Do you do you think it's useful to compare and contrast them? Uh, well, for anybody who's definitely not me, uh, who's listening. <laughs> Let's remind them what Inner Light was about. Inner Light is the TNG episode where Picard gets the uh, alien space probe that makes him live an alternate lifestyle, like a lifetime on an oh, alien planet. Oh yes, yes, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Um, I think it's it's a it's sort of an inverse of that. And you know, 
that's now now imagine inner light but it takes place at the end of inner light and picard is giving you a voiceover of everything that's happened leading up to the end of inner light yeah i i think that they they take the same concepts and they do different things with them oh definitely um, yeah. the inner light is more of a what would it mean to live a whole separate life and like what do what do those memories mean for picard and everything yeah and this one is more about it's more about the the end result and the impact of those things than the actual living of mm-hmm. life that the inner light was about uh i think that the the visitor, the visitor hits me on a level more than the, like the inner light is a very sad episode as well. But it's more of a you have to intellectualize the emotion of it. I think you have to like think about what that actually means that what Picard went through. And I think the visitor is much more on its sleeve emotionally about what this is going on. And a lot of that is just the way that they tell the story and the Jake's uh, the way that Jake handles everything and the way that Cisco handles everything. Uh, what'd you think of Jake, uh, Sirac Lofton and Brooks's acting together here? Yeah. I think you said in the, the preamble to the episode that you wanted to talk about Sirac Lofton, uh, a wise decision to cast Tony Todd in that role as older Jake, as opposed to, uh, Jake Sisko as old age makeup. Um, I think that, I think that they are, I think this is a very well acted episode uh, that has a, a few problems in it, but the scenes that need to work all work. And I don't think that there's mm-hmm. any of them that are like, Ooh, that was a misfire there. Yeah. I, uh, I thought Tony Todd was fine. I really generally like him. I didn't honestly didn't love him in this. Uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the makeup. Uh, I think it's him trying to act like an old man is yeah, a little bit. I think odd. that's, He's- I think that's what it is. Um, but yeah, younger Jake, I, he's not a good enough actor to pull this stuff off. Like they don't give him a ton to do once Cisco disappears. Um, but like every time they cut to him, like moping around the space station or whatever, I was like, Ugh, this is just not landing. Oh, I really? don't think. I, I thought that was good. I thought this is by far his best episode that he's done. I think that the, the him moping, I thought was fine for a teenager moping around and, the scene that he really needed to nail is the infirmary scene yeah. where Cisco starts disappearing, and I think they, they, I think they both knocked it out of the park there to a degree that I think it's both their best scenes that they've done so far. Yeah, that that was good. I also, and I mean, he didn't really do anything in this scene, but I, I really liked that scene with him and Kira. Yeah, uh, that looking was, out know, on the pylon. Yeah, yeah the all ships. lit from the back like that. I thought, I mean, I thought she was great. I thought she was really, really good in that scene. Um, the well, I think that the Tony and to touch on Tony Todd, I think Tony Todd is at his best when he's middle aged Jake, and that's yes, when he's just yeah. when he's just Tony Todd acting. Um, but I, I think that those, I think that him and he, I, I think that his strength as an actor shows here when he has the scenes where we don't have an established audience link between, uh, like we do for Sir Rock Lofton and. Avery Brooks like we've never seen them before but the scenes when he's middle-aged Tony Todd Jake talking to Cisco I think he does well and effectively there like it it comes across to me that he really is an older version of Jake Cisco and I think that's where his acting really comes into play yeah I would say so too uh not to jump back but just to talk just to touch a little bit more on the on the on the uh, actual framing device how would you feel if instead of having a person come and talk to him 
what if the framing device was Jake Sisko writing all this stuff down? I think that... Because I feel like that's more in line with the character, right? Should should the character be an editor-type person at that point? Like, So do you think that the... I like the role of the girl here. She both fits the title as the visitor, which is also Cisco is also the visitor. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that ties in, but I, th- I think her thing of just being a huge fan is a little bit wonky mm-hmm. that she shows up like this. And maybe if she was some sort of like in your, in your thing, it would be, she was the editor who's reviewing. No, no, this. no, 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 no. I, she's not in this at all. I'm saying, right. This is- but th- I'm saying is in my because I I like that character there. I think you need yeah. that some. I think you need somebody there if not that role, and that would be the difference for me. You think you could get away with it with uh, nobody being there? Yeah, I think so. I it's think just voiceover. I mean, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's. I mean, it, it's a it's a device that people do all the time. But I mean, like he's Jake Cisco's thing is writing, right? And I mean, yep. it, it comes up that he hasn't written in a while, and it all sort of like leads up to him starting to write again at the end. So why not have the, your framing device be Jake Cisco writing all of this stuff down? Like, yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't written anything, blah blah blah, and you know, so I wanted to make sure that I I got all this down, but you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that kind of shit. That makes um, a little bit more sense of the reveal, too. Although he's telling a story here, so he doesn't spoil the ending about what his plan is. But if you were writing it, it makes more sense that as he's writing it, his reveal comes at the end of his book, I guess. Yeah. Um, I I agree. I Again, it's 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 not that big of a sticking point. I just, it's personal preference. I don't, I would have done yeah. something else. Are you, yeah, I guess I, I don't know how hard to push back on it, I guess. Do you think that the way that they framed it here severely impacted your enjoyment of the episode, or is it just something that you're noticing is like you wish it had been changed a little bit, and it's not that big of a deal? Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the big things is, uh, and this is probably unfair to do as well, uh, I, You have have you watched Castle Rock at all? No, not yet. Uh, really enjoying Castle Rock. The last episode I had watched of Castle Rock was kind of similar to this, not directly similar, but it was a it was a very time jumpy, emotional episode that is just like it's very very well done. Um, they don't they're not holding your hand at all, but you're you're following what's going on, and it's like they just drop the hammer on you in like the last couple minutes of it and mm-hmm. so i think i kind of had that fresh in my mind a little bit going into this and so i i just it just feels a little bit i think the voiceover thing makes it feel a little bit unsophisticated to me yeah, yeah. um but i'm not saying that it that makes it bad uh it's just you know it's just not not the way i would prefer it have have gone yeah, yeah. It's um I think that the I'll just talk about why I sort of really enjoy this one. I think it's a very poetic episode, which I appreciate. I oh, think yeah. the metaphor is very clean uh, yeah, definitely. with what they do. I think that they, you know, it's still a Star Trek episode with the amount of of techno babble they throw at you, but it's all the best kind of techno babble which is irrelevant outside of just explaining the story slightly like how they're going to resolve the problem Mm -hmm. um and i think that the 
you know, it's got nice lines throughout it. It's, uh, you know, the line that they repeat over and over. It's life. You can miss it if you don't open your eyes. And uh, when Cisco, when Jake Cisco's alone on the station, he says, everywhere I look on the station, it's like I see a part of him, mm-hmm. which is both a metaphor for, you know, the memory of it. But Cisco is literally reappearing on the station for him. Right, right. Um, and- my favorite, sorry, I was just going to say my favorite part of that sequence was uh, during the memorial where they cut to just as Worf was finishing up whatever he was saying yeah. which i can only assume was <laughs> i didn't really know ben cisco very well but he seemed like a very nice man i've only been here for one episode guys <laughs> sorry i was surprised he's in it at all he has a scene where he talks to jake and tells jake to evacuate the uh, station oh I was, yeah I, I felt that should have been another character i don't think Worf was the right character for it yeah well you gotta gotta justify the name and the credits i guess yeah yeah but the um one thing I thought was really kind of neat was that, you know, Star Trek does a lot of like we're in the future now, uh, ep- like all good things is in the future for part of it. And there's mm-hmm. episodes, other episodes where we jump into the future and we see it. Uh, the Visitor is unique to me in that it's one of the few examples I can think of where the future of that they're presenting feels uh, of a part of the real world of the universe that I know, you know, like yes, every yeah. every other time they jump forward, it feels a little bit fake, and I know sometimes it's not the real future because they change it, but it never feels like it's like yeah, this is the future these people would inhabit. Every sequence where Cisco dies and then Jake is alone on the station in the coming years feels totally natural, and a lot of it comes down to the because we have this DS9 background political stuff going on. When the Klingons take over DS9 and Bajor gets resettled and the Cardassians form an alliance against the Klingons, it all feels it's like, yes, of course this would happen. Like, this is what would happen if Cisco was removed from the sequence of events. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a... Everything that happens in the future feels natural to me in a way that the other episodes don't. So where the other episodes are more like, oh, our uniforms are different and we wear different badges and people have different facial hair. Um, yeah, I actually the visitor, did. The visitor I, felt well. I, I, I do think that the uh, the future Starfleet uniforms, I think, are the all, it, uh, all good things uniforms. Because it's the all good things badge, I believe. And mm-hmm. I think the, the uniforms, I don't remember exactly if... That's what they. Someone can correct me. Obviously, I'm wrong, but I think that they are. Yeah. Um. I'll be honest with you. The most heartwarming thing in the whole episode for me was seeing that Nog was a Starfleet officer. Yeah, he becomes a captain. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. That was just like when they showed him in the uniform. I was like, oh, that's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what I mean. Like the the show has built up these possible future like. The show has built up its background enough where the future can be drawn in by a screenwriter. Like, you can create a future scene that feels like it belongs to the universe. And I think that's that's what the the Nog thing does. Yeah, and it was, you know, the other stuff they did I thought made sense, too. Like, uh, um, what was it? Uh, The the Klingons and the Bajorans stuff broke down or whatever because Cisco was the emissary and taking him out of the equation... They did. lost faith. Yeah, yeah, I thought that stuff was good. Um, yeah, I agree. I think I think its its vision of the future was uh, uh, it's fairly unique because I feel like you know I think this is kind of similar to what you were saying. Generally, when they do future stuff, there's always something. It's it's almost like a soft mirror episode. Where, yes, yeah. where they end up showing you where everything's gone, but it's always kind of like got a bit of a kink in it. So yep. it's like, you know, in all good things, 
It's the future. Uh, Worf is now working for the Klingons or whatever, and he's old and he's mean. And Riker is a captain, but he's also pissed off at Worf. And like this, there's, there's st- wh- whereas this one, it's it feels but I'd like argue a, it's the same. I'd argue this one does a good job because it is the same thing as what you're describing. It's yeah. what if Cisco were dead? Yeah. But it feels it feels appropriate. It's not like it's like you don't so obviously notice that it is a shattered mirror vision of right. what you think the world would be. Yeah, yeah, and not that all good things is a shattered mirror vision, but it's like it's it's a all good things is there's a bit of a you're waiting in those kind of episodes you're kind of waiting to see what the twist on all of these characters is going to be, much like you do in a mirror episode. Yeah, um, but in this one that doesn't really happen because it is a much more natural flowing uh, that, like you're saying, is specifically revolving around Ben Sisko being dead. So, you know, the Nog thing is nice. It's, I, I wouldn't even have thought to put that in there, to be honest with you. Uh, Like it was, it was a nice surprise. Like, Oh, that's great. That makes a lot of sense. Um, But like when Dax and Bashir come back, it's not like Dax and Bashir coming back with some weird future spin on it. They're just old. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I, I like that. I thought it was it was uh, it was a future that was made sense and wasn't distracting to the story. Yeah. Apparently, the majority of the scenes, the episode came in long. The majority of the scenes that they cut were scenes with the older people on the Defiant going for Cisco. And I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> glad they cut them because um because the Defiant As, should not be used to watch people go from point A to point B. <laughs> and it's not their story, and this story is yeah. specifically about Jake's vision. I, I was perfectly happy with seeing Dax and Bashir in the background, just having a line or two between each other, um, and abandoning them immediately once that they were not necessary to get to where the plot wanted them to get to. Yeah, and I think that, that reinforces what you're saying about the point of view of the episode, where it's like, you shouldn't be learning any information that doesn't directly affect Jake or or right. Jake wasn't directly part of. Uh, like, there shouldn't be a scene where Bashir and Dax are, like, off in another room talking about what's going on. That's not a scene you should see in the story. Right. And I, I, think, I think that's one thing they do. It does really well. It's those guys are all in the background. You see them. You see the impact that Cisco's death has on them, but it's all purely Jake's story at yep. this point. And, mm-hmm. um... I think that it's a, you know, just the, I think the the metaphor is really strong. I think that the character work is really strong. This is the first episode, you know, I make a lot of fun of the way that those two, especially Avery Brooks has like a physicality with his son that seems inappropriate to (laughs) me at some points, Mm -hmm. but I thought it's perfectly appropriate here. Like it's a, the way that they interact is driven from the fact that Ben Sisko is going to be disappearing soon and everything works. And maybe, maybe if Avery Brooks hadn't made laid the groundwork for that kind of stuff, it would have felt weird that he was doing it here. You know, it would have been a jarring thing of, um, if it was more in previous episodes of Wesley Crusher, Beverly Crusher, where you never see them touch each other, mm-hmm. it would have been odd to have this all of a sudden hugging and kissing thing, but it feels really natural and, uh, like a, a potential outcome of these two characters and the way that they interact with each other. What did you think? What do you think about those two at this point? And, you know, including this episode, their relationship, and I guess the way their relationship is unique to this series as opposed to the other series. Yeah, I like them. Um, You know, I think I've mentioned it before, where I think one of the reasons that they work so well is because they are 
more or less a good relationship. Um, and it allows you because Jake isn't present all the time. That's uh, the huge thing. Yeah. Jake, uh, often is a listed main character, but he's in maybe half the episodes. You know, they don't just shove him into things when he doesn't belong there just yeah. because he's yeah. on the, the cast list. And uh, you know, it's I think funny. that goes a long way. It's actually the first time I noticed that, that he was in the opening credits because I actually did watch the opening credits specifically because you said it changed and I oh, didn't the, watch the it last music. time. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and to quickly touch on that, I actually do like the new credits. Uh, I don't know the music. I don't really notice that much of a difference. But I do like how busy the station is um, mm-hmm. because, you know, in, inside the station, it's so it's the same three or four or five sets. And so it can feel kind of claustrophobic and you can kind of forget that this is a this is basically a town. So yes. seeing the exterior, yep. seeing ships coming and going, seeing guys fixing stuff on the outside, I actually think that goes a long way to, to set the stage for what's going on. Yeah. Um, and um I'm in the I'm in the minority. I think a lot of people agree with you, especially about the uh, where the people say that the music is fitting. I I agree. I just uh, maybe maybe it's more just I'm used to the older one, and I think it does mimic the evolution of the series where DS9 is now a hub of activity, as opposed to where yeah. in the early seasons it was the outpost that no one wanted to go to because it was out in the middle of nowhere, and that's all changed in these yeah. seasons. It's a nice it's a nice change uh, visually, if uh, you know it kind of represents how they're sort of bringing that place back. Like you said, it's now a hub and stuff. I like that. Yeah, um, and the Defiance gets its uh, face yes, shot as yeah. well. It's in a lot of shots, yeah. But yeah, the, I think uh, having having him not be in, in every episode, I think having them have a good relationship works really well because, you know, I think I said this when we talked about this before. Like, there's so much other shit going on. Like, there's so many other bad things going on to then cut to a scene with Cisco and Jake where like they're yelling at each other or something. It would just be, it's just too much. And it's, it's, it's a nice break, um, to be able to spend time with these guys who are, you know, don't hate each other. They have realistic father and son disagreements, but they clearly are, have a good relationship. Um, and I think it makes an episode like this work a hundred times better because I mean, if this episode happens, if they do this episode and up to this point Jake and, and, and Ben have a shitty relationship, I don't think it works as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking, I, I don't think they say this, and maybe this is too on the nose, I don't know. But I I kind of almost wish at some point when, when Ben came back and was like, uh, you got to move on, blah, 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 blah. I, I wish Jake had been like, Dad, you don't understand this is worse than if you were dead. Yeah, that's true. Because that's it is. I mean, that's that's what's what's making his life so miserable. It's like it's it's an inability to be able to move on because he's gonna come back. Like it, you don't know when, you don't know where, but he's gonna come back, and it's just gonna tear those wounds open again. So it's it, as much as he wants to, it can't happen. Right, um, and and Jake's guilt makes more sense there because Jake is incapable of finding the solution to help his father. So it's like a personal level of responsibility that death wouldn't necessarily impart on you. Yeah. Um, you know, you might feel bad if your relative died and you had a bad relationship or something or you, you felt you never made amends or you never closed out your relationship with a sudden death. But the the fact that Jake Sisko could be internalizing if I just worked a little bit harder at this, I yeah. could do something about it. And yeah. I think that's a different level of guilt. Especially when 
you know, when you look at uh, how originally, unless I'm remembering things incorrectly, his his dad expected him to go into Starfleet, and he's like, "No, nah, I'm going to go be a writer." Yep. And uh, uh, only only after he realizes that the door is open to possibly bring his dad back does he is he like shit i should probably abandon this writing shit and which in and of itself is probably i mean it, it clearly is but i mean that's got to be hurtful to ben too because it's like no ugh, i didn't want you yeah, he to brings do this. it he brings it up yeah he brings it up as he wasted his life by not doing the thing that he was born to do basically yeah, yeah. you know i i'm curious i'd be curious to to find out uh like if this was this episode was um spurred on by something specific that happened or or someone's specific uh experience with losing a loved one or something because not and to because so, i will say uh uh where i failed in the in the live stream to work in a buffy reference there is an episode of <laughs> buffy the vampire slayer called the body where spoiler alert Buffy comes home and finds that her mom has just dropped dead from natural causes. And it's basically mm-hmm. like a moment by moment thing of how you deal with that. It's fucking devastating. And yep. it's, it, you have to wonder like what, who did this happen to? Like, or who is this like a, just a general uh, expression of what this might be like, or is there something specific that happened to these writers where it's like, you really need to exercise these demons. Yeah. The, what is it? Do, do, do. I, I thought I had read that someone had... Oh, no. The writer based on a concept of a fan visiting a reclusive writer who hadn't published uh, because he had read an interview with J.D. Salinger. Oh, and he, he thought that that would be interesting. Um, the episode had a uncredited rewrite from Rene Echevarria, who's been a producer for a long time and a writer, who is really one of the stronger character writers that the series has. And I think that he really worked out well here. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think that's it. I'll say that just before we go, one thing. Do you remember uh, Tony Todd has been on Star Trek before? Do you remember what role he plays? Just curious if you actually remember. Uh, I don't. He's on TNG. The he plays Man? Kern. He plays Kern, who's Worf's brother. Oh, that's right. Role. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Kern will be making an appearance in a couple episodes. Oh, that's fun. Is it still played by Tony Todd? It is. Yeah. Oh, good. So he gets multiple appearances. Um yeah, that's it. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip. We'll come back and we'll give our patron thoughts and then give our final thoughts about The Visitor. It won't be long now. Jake, no! When I die, you'll go back to where this all began. Just remember to dodge the energy discharge from the warp core. Jake... You could still have so many years left. No, we have to be together when I die. Jake, you didn't have to do this. Not for me. For you and for the boy that I was. He needs you more than you know. Don't you see? We're going to get a second chance. All right, guys. So if you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them on the podcast and react to them. We're going to start here with Termi, 
says the visitor. To this day, over 20 years since I saw this episode, this is still the only hour of television that made me shed a tear. Even when I think something may have gotten into my eye. On rewatch, it still got me. Tony Todd was outstanding in the episode, and I'm glad they cast an older Jake rather than put some horrible old man makeup on to Rock Lofton. They just put the horrible old man makeup on Tony Todd. Stephen Cobb says, The Visitor. Tony Todd is awesome. I hated this episode when I was younger, but I love it now. Music is a standout. Well-written script, great relationships, and it's always fun to see the future a bit. That said, the dialogue and acting are a tiny, tiny little bit hammy, just by by like 5%. Still does not detract from the need for a tissue when watching this episode. Uh, Holly McLaughlin says, The Visitor, a beautiful, touching story on every level. DS9 begins with Jake Sisko losing a parent, and it's not surprising that he wouldn't ever find a way to get over losing his other parent. Benjamin's only concern being to her Jake's happiness and not wanting him to give up on his dreams is realistic and moving. This one always makes me cry. Kyle Barrett says, The Visitor, if you don't cry during this episode, then you're an android. It's damn near perfect. Maybe the best script of the show so far, and Tony Todd is incredible and believable as an older Jake. His chemistry with Melanie is great, too. I thought it was going to turn into Jake Sisko fuck machine the elder years for a few moments. <laughs> now that's the you... show that I came to see. <laughs> that's why you were so bitter about that character by the end of the episode, Clay. You're like, we don't need her. What is she doing here? If she's she's not, not even going to have sex with him? What the hell? <laughs> And if you look closely in Jake's house, you'll see a rare appearance of a clock in Star Trek, one of just 12 that appear in the entire franchise. My mind is blown. Kyle uh, looked that up, I remember, on the Discord channel to see how many uh, clocks actually appear in Star Trek, and there is a memory alpha entry for it. There's 12 of them. Um, Nice to see that you guys don't have any free time on your hands. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jamie Crow says, The Visitor. I'm glad I was on my own when I watched this one because the room was pretty dusty throughout. I don't know if it's just because my own father passed away when I was around Jake's age, but I found this to be one of the most emotionally affecting things I've watched in a long time. Just really powerful stuff. Tony Todd was amazing, and Brooks and Lofton are also on top form. It's also good to see that the further into the future, civilian clothing and Star Trek universe become slightly less ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Sergi says, The Visitor, I love it just as much as everyone else. It's fantastic for all the reasons people say, but my issue is that with the future world seems a little bit uninspired. Seeing Nog, captain of the ship, is a bit of a stretch. I know the actor can't grow and the Ferengi are short, but seeing this guy that looks like a kid captain the ship on the ship is a bit odd. Also, how he deepens his voice is odd. Also, rounding up the old crew means putting them in old age makeup and silly-looking old person Starfleet uniforms were also a little bit cheesy. Dax and Bashir probably would have done more and probably left Starfleet by then. Anyway, the Defiant would not end up in mothballs. Other than that, the episode is flawless and deeply introspective. It's a great story. I would would argue that Bashir would not have left Starfleet because that motherfucker can't commit to actually moving up in the world. I'd be more surprised by... I'd agree with that. I'd be more surprised by the Dax symbiont too. I feel like the symbionts would want to move on to a younger host at that point. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Andrew Kerlog says the visitor, the single best Cisco character development outside of in the pale moonlight that we ever see. Tony Todd is perfect as older Jake and Sorak Lofton gives his best performance of the series to this point. More than any episode, this highlights the difference between Cisco and every other series captain, Kirk, Picard, Janeway, and Archer, and that he's a family man over and above his role as a captain. He's a father who happens to be in Starfleet and not a captain who happens to have a family. Mm. Joint Mango, The Visitor, Tony Todd is the fucking man. <laughs> Christian, Christian Pouch says, The Visitor, this is the episode that managed to get my wife more invested in DS9. I was watching it with her and hadn't seen it in a while, but remembered it was good. By the end, we were both crying, no exaggeration. I lost my dad a few years ago to cancer, and what I wouldn't give to see him again and tell him about everything I've done with my life since then. Tony Todd is amazing and carries the whole episode. The relationship between Jake and Cisco shines, and all the emotional beats really hit home. A five out of five. 
Paul Evans says, The Visitor, a very good character piece. Jake's story is moving, but his assertion that his final plan would work seems a leap. He could have gone, not broken the tether, and been uh, had been continuing as he was. We know this wouldn't have happened, though, as the episode was set so far in the future and was so disconnected with the main story. We know that some kind of reset button had to be pressed to deal with something happening significantly in the future. Ironically, Voyager managed to do a future episode without having to hit the reset button at the end. It did seem, though, that while we had a journey of discovery with the characters, once the end credits rolled, nothing more happened. Nothing later of Ben remembering Jake's actions and the sadness of seeing that what had happened mixed up with the joy of those events not happening. A very harsh change in pace when compared to The Way of the Warrior immediately before it. Nick Atkins, The Visitor. When I was younger, I appreciated this episode, but it didn't really resonate with me. It was only after my father passed away that it really hit home, and I can never watch the episode without welling up. The desire for more time together is so powerful, and Lofton and Todd both carry that. I put it in my top five episodes in all of Star Trek. Neil Brennan says, The Visitor, I'm welling up just reading some of the other patron reviews that people have written, so here I should tell you how much the episode hit me. Fantastic stuff. I live in fear of non-Trekkies walking in on me watching the worst of the series. I left the door wide open while watching this one. I want non-Trekkies to see it. Does he live, in like, in a mental hospital? <laughs> <laughs> Will Yates says the visitor thank you Tony Todd I really think this gives us a Jake episode we can sink our teeth into the character has been underdeveloped to this point and really made me empathize with them completely and then lastly Chad Wiley says the visitor apparently I'm getting pretty sentimental in my old age when I first saw this episode as a teenager I thought wow that was a good episode but now I seem to remember TV Guide ranking it as the best episode of DS9 and I thought that was too high now my reaction is who's cutting up all these onions mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of uniformity there I I really want to stress the fact that this is a like tremendously sad episode. To like it's just it's just a powerhouse gut punch of an episode in a way that Star Trek really has a hard time doing in yeah. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's the nature of the Cisco's relationship and I think it's I I can understand your your point of view. It is a little bit dated in how the format of how they tell the story, but I I think that it's told in a dated way that still works for me. And it's like the episode flies by. Uh, It's not one of those ones where I'm checking my watch. Everything works for me in the the scenes. The acting is fantastic. The concept, just the, the sadness of the concept is fantastic. It works with those characters. I don't know. I... This is, without a doubt, this is one of my probably top five DS9 episodes. So I'm going to give it a five out of five. Uh, what say you, Mr. Clay? Um, I don't know, two, maybe? <laughs> Guys are really regretting me being on every episode now, aren't you? No, do, you I, it make, was... do you want to make fun of some of the patron comments of people who... <laughs> you people make me sick. No, it's it, but I think that... Uh, I know that you're joking. I would just say one last thing about the patron comments is... I think the reason it works so well and across the board for so many people is because of how resonant and relevant the topic is in a way that the sci-fi oh, yeah. Star Trekky stuff isn't. And I think it's just that's what really elevates the material to me is that everyone can, you know, barring people who maybe don't have great relationships with their parents. I think a lot of people can pull something out of this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. You know, it doesn't even have is obviously losing a parent and that kind of stuff is going to make this hit incredibly harder. But I don't even think you you don't even need that to have happened to you to to understand because you you always want more time. You know, you want yeah. more time. And on top of that, not only do you want more time, if that doesn't hit you, the other side of it's going to hit you where it's like, fuck, man, I sh- I could have done more. You know. Yeah. Uh, or on top of that, if that doesn't hit you thing that's going to get you is like 
yeah, I, I can't, I can't let this go. I can't, or if that doesn't work, then the other thing that's going to hit you is watch. I can't. Yeah, I've I've watched somebody else become self-destructive and been un, in incapable of helping them. Yeah, uh, so right. I, it, it, there's a lot of stuff to to latch onto. Absolutely. This so is yeah, the, I would uh, I would I would give it is you know as much as I as much as I have stylistic things that I would do differently or don't sit as well with me. I I would say this is definitely a five. Yeah. Um, just the one last note it is Michael Taylor's first script. He would go on to be a fairly influential producer for Star Trek, the franchise and multiple series. This is his very first script. It's, I think it's the first thing he ever sold too, which is interesting. Um, but that's it. Uh, one weird bit of trivia. People thought his name was a uh, pseudonym for Michael Pillar and Jerry Taylor, who are the sure. showrunners of Voyager at this point, because his name is Michael Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was not. He is an actual person. I'm going to give it a five. Clay will give it a five. Two very strong, or a very strong episode, actually. Um, that's it. Do you have any final thoughts, Clay? No? Hello? Sorry, I, I lost you there. What would you say? Oh, then, <laughs> that's fine. I'm just going to say, I think we're going to wrap it up then at this point. Uh, we'll get, both give it a fives. We'll call it a day. I'm and, sorry. Uh, I'm being sucked back into the uh, whatever that white area was. In the between the, loop. the temporal schism or whatever guys if you appreciated the content and you, you enjoyed it you can check out all the social media links they'll be on the uh, video description below facebook twitter discord all that stuff you can go to patreon.com slash the penske file if you want to support the show there a couple dollars a month you get extra stuff if you rated us on itunes that would be really fantastic you can do it on your phone that's the easiest way go to the podcast app on your phone search us up and just type in a star and a one sentence uh, review would be super grateful for that when i when and, i uh, disappear wes i want you I, to continue this podcast for the rest of your life and only talk about how much you wish that I was still on it. <laughs> and when I've come back and I'm not doing it, you'll be very disappointed that I haven't continued into Voyager. Uh, Captain Tier patrons get a shout out. Thank you very much. Goes to Stephen Cobb, Will Yates, Matt Flores, Samuel Custer, Santos Gonzalez, Robert Cummins, Andrew Kerlog, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Eric Johnson, Nathan Elliott, Decker Sebastiani, Neil Brennan, Carrie Mobility, Michael Pond, Bradley Killens, Rune Denler, Jay Stanley, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Tarek Latif. Guys, thank you very much. Clay, thanks for coming on. We're continuing through DS9. Two episodes in a row of fives, uh, which is a streak I think the show has never actually managed to do before. But we'll be back with Hippocratic Oath in a couple of days. So we'll see you guys then.